spokespersons. We'll learn more about Paul. That'll be very important to what he's trying to communicate through this book as we move and work our way forward. Um, but he, uh, he went out as a missionary and, and planted some churches uh, in uh, the region of southern Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey area. And what ended up happening was uh, some people came along after the fact and began to question the, the message, the good news uh, that Paul had brought and communicated to these churches. And so this letter that Paul is, is writing, which is, uh, most people think, one of his uh, earliest letters uh, in the New Testament, um, uh, he's writing to, uh, to, to challenge and uh, combat this, uh, this teaching that is coming through and spreading through these churches that's calling uh, Paul's authority into question, that's, call, that's calling the message that he communicated about how one is made right with God into question. Um, and so, uh, over the next uh, several, uh, probably next couple of months, we'll be working our way through uh, this, uh, this letter in the New Testament. To Again, uh, just as we saw the Gospel in Leviticus, we are going to look and see the gospel here in the book of Galatians, or the letter to the Galatians. So, if you would, this morning, we're going to be in uh, chapter 1 of the uh, the book of Galatians. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. And uh, if you want to follow along in one of the black Bibles there in your, uh, in your seats, you'll find this on page 972. So, if you would... Uh, Follow along with me as I read to us from uh, the Word of God. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and the brothers who were with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For now, am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank You that it is true. We pray now that the truth of the Scriptures 
the truth of the Word of God would do and accomplish your purposes in our hearts and our lives and would glorify Jesus this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask You to do that. In Christ's name, Amen. One of the biggest sins uh, from our culture's perspective today, it seems to be the sin of intolerance. And some people may question and wonder, is the Bible and is Christianity an intolerant book, an intolerant religion? Well, I mean, on... On one sense, we would say, no, it's not. If by intolerance you mean that the Bible or Christianity is about saying that there are certain people who have more worth and value than others, and because of that worth and value that one has more than the other, then we can mistreat and harm and treat people differently because they don't have dignity and worth. The Bible teaches nothing like that. In fact, the Bible would say that all people have uh, dignity and value uh, and worth. But it's because they're made in the image of God. So that actually gets us to something else. On another sense, we could say the Bible is very intolerant. If by intolerance, especially as we're, we're beginning to think about religious intolerance... Uh, religious intolerance would be the belief that people would say uh, religious tolerance would mean that all religions and faiths are equally valid. Are they? Well, actually from the Bible's perspective, the Bible would say no, they're not all equally valid. If we're thinking about it in that way, the Bible is actually incredibly intolerant religiously. Uh, In fact, the fact that we even tie in the reason that we would say the Bible is, uh, sees value and worth in all people is rooted in the fact that we're made in the image of God. That the first verses of the Bible say, in the beginning, God created. All of a sudden now, the Bible is discounting any other claims that any other faiths or religions make on how the world came into existence. There is one truth. There is one God and Creator. Later, Jesus is continuing on this, this, uh, this pattern of religious intolerance that the Bible would take, would say that he, Jesus, was a very religiously intolerant person, um, would say that he is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is saying there's only one path, and it's through me. If you choose other paths, those other religions and faiths are not valid. Jesus could also be open to the charge of being religiously intolerant. But this morning, as we look in our passage, this may be one place where of all of these claims of accusations towards the Bible of being religiously intolerant, this passage is one where the intolerance comes out most forceful and maybe we could even say with the most uh, passion and even anger. Notice, notice Paul here, the writer of this letter, and, and how intolerant he is. We, we see his, 
intolerance demonstrated by these exclusive claims that he makes about what he is teaching and what he is believing. Notice in verse 6 and 7, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Paul here, from the very beginning, he's even as, as we look at it, the, the pattern of the, of the way that Paul writes letters to people, if you look at some of his other letters, usually after he does his opening greeting, he, he opens up with some sort of encouragement, uh, aff- affirming what he's seeing as good uh, in uh, the lives of the people that he's writing. Here, he doesn't do that. He goes immediately into this, uh, this proclamation of his astonishment and his dismay at what the churches in Galatia, of where, where they're going and where they're being tempted to, to go after another gospel. And Paul says, no, there is no other gospel. And we'll talk later about what that term gospel means more fully. But right now, a working definition could just be the good news and announcement of how one is made right with God, how one participates in experiencing the benefits of everything that's wrong with the world being made right. Paul is saying there is one exclusive good news, one exclusive gospel, one exclusive way to be made right with God. There are no others. Paul is saying there is only one valid faith. There is only one valid religion. And if you're not pursuing it, it's actually pursuing something that's false. But he goes further. Paul's intolerance is demonstrated in other ways. Notice, it's not just that it's exclusive, but Paul goes on to say that if you don't follow what he's saying, there's consequences. Notice in verse 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. What Paul is saying is, if you reject or turn away from this one gospel, this one good news, this one faith, the, the consequences of that is eternal condemnation. You will be turned over to God to suffer His wrath and His curse forever. In fact, Paul is in fact cursing those who would reject this one gospel. Maybe we misunderstood him. Surely, no one, no one would be so intolerant to say something like that. Well, Paul wants to make it very clear. Look in verse 9. As we have said before, now I say it again, in case you missed me. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Uh, There were reports all over uh, eastern North Carolina uh, during the hurricane. Uh, Warnings kept coming up. Hey, flooding is coming. Um, Roadways are going to be overcome with water. 
Uh, you do not always know how deep the water is. It is extremely foolish to drive through water-covered roadways, um, uh, especially if there's a barrier up. If there's a barrier up, do not drive around the barrier. Do not attempt to go through the water. If you discount the barrier, if you discount the warning that says you cannot go this way, the barrier is up there to warn you that severe consequences lie ahead. And if you choose to disregard it, you're taking your life into your own hands. They repeated it over and over on the Weather Channel every time the news came on. But I heard report after report of many of the deaths that occurred were because people failed to hear the warning and they drove around the barrier. Was the DOT seeking to be intolerant? Or were they seeking to redeem and save lives? Here, Paul is doing something very similar. He's putting up a big barrier. This is the one true gospel. Do not go down other paths. They do not all lead the same way. I'm the, I am stating right now and putting up barriers at these other pathways that say they're wrong. And if you go around them, the only result will be your condemnation eternally before God. There is only one way. All religions are not valid. Paul is an extremely religiously intolerant man. Where's this confidence come from? Some might even say arrogance. How did you, how did you say this, Paul? Who, who do you think you are? Why should we listen to you? What makes you think that you are so right? That you got a corner on the market of religious truth and everybody else has it wrong. Why should we listen to you? Um, here in Elizabeth City, there's a some news that has spread around uh, for many, many years now um, that uh, a home over on Brickhouse Lane uh, used to be uh, uh, the dwelling place of uh, an infamous pirate by the name of Blackbeard. Um, many people have have uh, have heard uh, this uh, this news. Uh, and they've, they've, they've heard um, uh, evidence that would support the fact that he lived there, here in Elizabeth City for a time. There's rumors that this house has uh, a secret hiding place within it that possibly Blackbeard hid himself or treasures. Um, there's a tunnel reported to be under this house that's a secret escape passage to get from the house to the river in order to escape as quickly as possible should, you know, those who hate pirates come around. Um, there's a blood stain in the middle of the, uh, of the house. That's, of course, I mean, if a pirate's living in a house, surely you're going to find blood and carnage somewhere within it. I mean, he is Blackbeard, by the way. Uh, also, in the bricks of the house in certain places, there are the initials E.T. carved in them. 
Uh, for those who aren't, uh, who uh, who don't know, uh, the name of Blackbeard was Edward Teach, or there's other pronunciations, I think. But anyway, his initials would have been E.T. Uh, this leads many people to think that there's good news about this, that there's in fact something for them at Brick House on Brick House Lane. The owner of the house reports that people even come and sometimes walk around his property looking for treasure because of these rumors. But, um, uh, but is it good news? The owner of the house would say, or the, 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 one of the sons that grew up in the house would say, no, it is not good news. How can he, why would he say such a thing? Ruin people's fun and hopes. Well, it's because he's aware of the sources. The sources of some of these rumors uh, and where these messages have, have come from. That the, the things, the evidence that people are trying to put up. He has an, another more uh, authoritative and trustworthy explanation for what each of those things are. And in fact, he's, he's gone to other sources that actually, and instead of Johnny, the neighborhood boy down the street, who's telling you about the buried treasure in the back of Mr. Jack's backyard, um, uh, he has done the research and gone to the authoritative paperwork that demonstrates and shows that in fact, uh, this house has been in uh, one family, the Murden family, from the, the time it was built. And it was actually uh, was built in the 1730s or 40s and uh, Blackbeard actually died in around 1718. So uh, the, the source of your information matters and being able to verify the information from a trustworthy, reliable, authorized source, not just taking it from anybody, is very important as you try to discern the goodness and the quality of the news and your confidence in being able to say this is good news or this is not good news. Paul here can be so confident and so intolerant because he knows the source. Notice first the source of the, the messenger, the one who is bringing this good news and the emphasis Paul makes to say that he Paul comes from God. Notice in verse 1, Paul, an apostle. Now, that term could be used just generally of one who's sent, who's sent out under the authority of, uh, of another for any, any purpose. Uh, sometimes generally in the New Testament, it describes somebody who's going out to proclaim uh, the, the gospel message like we would des- describe as a missionary. But there's other Places, and this is the use that Paul's using here, of we could think of it as capital A apostle, of particular group of people who have uniquely been authorized by God Himself, Jesus Himself, to go out as His authorized spokespeople. Notice that's the emphasis Paul is 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 putting here. Notice right after it. Look, I'm an apostle. And my apostleship does not come from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God. The source of Paul's authority, uh, of, uh, of his authenticity and his unique role 
to be able to verify and communicate the, the trueness of the news is because He is an apostle from God. Notice again in verse 10, He emphasizes it. Hey, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is emphasizing here, I am one who is sent from and authorized by Jesus. He'll talk more about this uh, in upcoming weeks later on in the chapter, and so we'll come back from it. But just notice, there's a a big emphasis that people were beginning to question Paul's, uh, the source of his authority. You don't need to believe Paul. He was just sent by those people over in Antioch. Paul says, no, no, no. My authority, the reason I can proclaim and demonstrate and declare what is true and what is not is because I've come from Jesus himself. But notice it's not just the messenger that is source comes from God, but the message as well. This is an authentic message of good news that comes directly from God through his authorized spokesperson to his people. Notice in verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. Paul is saying this message, this good news, the way that one is made right with God isn't man's. It doesn't come from man. In fact, he uh, he contrasts that with up in verse seven. There are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There is a good news and a message that has its source in man. And there is good news and a message that has its source in Jesus himself. God in the flesh, the risen and exalted king. Paul is saying this message that I'm proclaiming to you did not come from any man. It came from Jesus himself. That's why I can be so confident. And then even again in verse 12, he emphasizes it uh, in another way. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus. Jesus himself appeared. The resurrected Jesus appeared to Paul and gave him the good news of the gospel. And so Paul is one that is on a mission authorized by God to communicate the good news. Now, who is going to be in the place to know whether all roads lead to God? Or only one road leads to God? Well, none other than God Himself. Doesn't He the one who should be able to say and know, this is how you get to me, and these other ones don't? That is what Paul is saying. God has told me, and I'm communicating to you. Therefore, there are consequences. To reject this message that I'm bringing is ultimately to reject God. Notice, What he says in verse six, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. To deny my message, to deny this good news, you're not just rejecting me. You're not just turning from me to turn from the message I'm bringing. You are turning from God himself. I have come from God. The message has come from God. This is serious stuff, Paul is saying. This is why Paul's intolerance can come with such confidence and such force in speech and declaration because he knows where it comes from. 
But how long is this message good for? Is it sufficient? Think, think about your, your phone, your cell phone. How often do you get a little message on your phone that says, oh, it's time for an update. We've got some minor bugs we need to fix. Um, there's some, some adjustments that we need to make. Uh, the, the old operating system that you had, it was good for what it was at, at the time, but really now it's insufficient. And so we need to bring in something that's new and improved. Technology has changed. Everything's changed. And so uh, we're going to give you something different and new that's improved and better than what you had before. Will the, will the gospel, this message that Paul's communicating, will that ever be true of it? Sure, Paul, that might have been uh, uh, true and good when you were around. But it's been a long time. Maybe things have changed. Maybe we as a society, maybe our minds have opened up to where we're a lot more tolerant and accepting of other people. Or, or maybe God just is uh, the, the cruel God that you're talking about that would only allow people one way to come to him. Surely that's not really true. Maybe things have changed and there's, there's, uh, there's more information that would uh, help us uh, understand the message differently. Paul here says, no, this message is sufficient. From the time that I delivered it until the time that Jesus comes again. Notice in verses 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel... Contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Then he reiterates it again. If anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Paul's saying this gospel message is sufficient, period. Even if I come back, Paul is saying, and tell you, oh, you know what? I forgot something. There's an update. Gospel point two, one or 2.0, 2 2.6. Uh, Paul saying, no. Even if I come back or an angel were to appear and tell you there's more news you didn't hear, there's better news, I got to add something to it. He's saying, do not listen to me. I would be accursed for doing that. This message is sufficient. Lindsay, uh, had a friend in college um, who was a Mormon. And she, many times, uh, in a lot of their conversations, was adamant that she was a Christian and that uh, Lindsay's beliefs and her beliefs were, were the same. She would just add this little caveat. We believe the same thing. We just believe a little more. You see, what Mormons believe, and if you ever see a Mormon temple, on the, on the top of the steeple, there's somebody blowing a trumpet. It's an angel. It's Angel Maroney, uh, who brought some special tablets to a man named uh, Joseph Smith um, that said it's a new revelation, new good news 
of other works and things that Jesus had done that, that begins to transform and add stuff to the way and the understanding that God's people have of how one is made right with God. Paul is saying Mormonism is false. It is not valid. It is not, there is no other way. If you add to the gospel, you've completely distorted and changed it. There will never be any more. God has delivered the good news and it will never change. It is sufficient forever. How, how can he be so confident then? How does he know it will never change? Well, let's look at the content of the message and see how good this news is. Because if, the, if you can't think of any better news, then what kind of better news could come? Look, look at what he talks about. Look in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins. A core aspect to this gospel message, this good news about how one man is made right with God, Paul says involves Jesus. Jesus, who is God, notice how, how he, he, he always pairs Jesus and God together in several of these statements at the beginning. Not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I played basketball when I was younger. I won a couple of championships in the Star Claire Basketball Athletic League. I actually got MVP for my team one year. But you know what? This phrase has never been uttered from the mouth of any human until now. When I think of the great basketball players in the history of the world, who comes to mind are people like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Jason Schubert, Wilt Chamberlain. No! No, I don't compare. You wouldn't even think of uttering my name in the same breath as those people. We're not peers. Paul puts Jesus and God together in a way that is saying they are alike. They are peers because Jesus is God. And this God took on flesh and He died to, for your sins. Jesus came to take care of your sins and He goes on and says that He's rescued you. He's rescued you and delivered you from this present evil age. What is that? The scriptures, a lot of times it talks about uh, the, this age and the age to come. This age is characterized by the dominion of the evil one, of the, the effects and messed upness of sin and how it's coming in. Humanity, since Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, has been longing for this age to end and for the age to come to arrive when God renews and restores all things and gets rid of everything that sin's messed up. And Paul is saying Jesus brings that. And when you hope and you trust in Him and when He has died to deliver you from your sin, right now you are already experiencing a little bit of that world to come as it's broken in and you're awaiting for it to return. Jesus is the only hope for you to experience it. And he goes on and he says that this happens according to the will of our God and Father. You see, nothing's going to happen in the future. 
that affects God's purposes. Nothing's going to happen in your life or in this world where God's going to be like, oh, you know what? I need some better news. That, that actually wasn't good enough. I didn't foresee this coming. I didn't foresee that, that Tim was going to sin like that this afternoon. I need to change this message. It needs to be better. No, the God of the Bible, His will is always accomplished. His purposes are never thwarted. What He intended Jesus to accomplish, He did, and it will never change. You have been saved. You have been redeemed. Because of what you have done? No. Notice the last emphasis. Oh, well, uh, um, in verse 3 and 6. Grace to you. Then again, in verse 6, the emphasis. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. The heart of this gospel message of how one made is, is made right with God is not what you've done. It's all about what God has done. It's all about what Jesus has done according to his will. By his grace. You don't need to do it. It's been accomplished so well that there's nothing left for you to do. But to look to him, the one who has accomplished it. How can we know that this is this is true and this is real? Well, Paul says it in verse one. I'm not called by man or through man, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised them from the dead. Jesus has risen from the dead in space, in time, in history. It's historically verified by the eyewitness accounts of the faithful, authentic, trustworthy word of God that we have in the scriptures. Paul is testifying to that. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we know that everything that he preached and he said that he's would accomplished happened. And that the result of all of this good news will be that Paul says in verse 5, for the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. It's not going to change. Forever it will glorify God. This means that there's, there's no better news. After this good news, after what Jesus has done, what is there left for any other God or Savior, or Deliverer to do. Jesus is the sufficient one. The message that Paul is communicating to us is the sufficient, only real, true gospel. Are you tempted and ever wondering, is there more that I need? Is Jesus actually enough? Could someone else, or some other thing, or more stuff, or more actions on my part, Give me confidence and assurance for me to rest in the truth and sufficiency of this gospel, of this good news. Paul says, no, I'm putting the barriers up, but I'm not just putting barriers up. I'm putting a big, huge sign that proclaims to you the goodness and sufficiency of Jesus, the grace and the love of your heavenly father. Paul is so passionately intolerant because he knows of the truth of the gospel. Paul wants to protect and save lives. And he's saying, do not go anywhere else. Trust only in what I'm bringing to you, because what I'm proclaiming to you is that salvation comes through Jesus alone. 
by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the good news of the Gospel. We pray that You would use this letter, the teachings from Galatians, to show us the sufficiency of Christ. How good the good news really is. And may we steer clear of anything that would offer uh, and disguise itself as false good news. For the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, On the night when he was betrayed,